This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, a podcast that shines a light in dark places. If you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. We launched this podcast in September, and our first season covers a very important topic death fetish forums and related murders. That's right, LaDonna. And it's our hope that by shining a bright, unrelenting light on the death fetish community that we'll be able to eventually put a stop to these horrific online communities that are out there glorifying the rape, torture, and murder of young women. Absolutely. It's horrible stuff. Before we get to the nitty gritty, I want to give a little shout out to one of our fellow podcasts in the Deluxe Edition Network. They are chosen as one of the podcasts of the month this month, and they're called Spoil My Movie Podcast. So here is a little trailer of theirs. I'm Chris. And I'm Mel. And together we host the podcast Spoil Spoil My My Movie. Movie. We were watching movies anyway. And we were having in-depth conversations about those movies, too. So, we decided to share our thoughts with the world. You can expect me to gripe about inaccurate details like supposedly cold weather, but you can't see anyone's breath. And you can expect me to be totally adorable, but also psychologically deep. And by the end of each episode, we'll provide our respective ratings. Using a rating scale custom tailored to the movie in question. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere. We're actually behind you right now. If you're looking for something new to listen to, you might want to give them a shot. They're they're pretty witty. And if you're a movie buff, you're really going to enjoy hearing their quips and reviews. All right. That being said, let's dive back into the deep, dark secrets of the death fetish community. As part of our work to expose the horrors of death fetish predators and the forums that they're a part of through our podcast, we decided to create an episode today that's a little bit different than anything we've done before. Today, we want to talk about a case that many of you have probably heard about. 
the murder of Teresa Halbach. Oh, yeah. Most of America has tuned into the Netflix docuseries that got released in 2015. And that series raised a lot of questions about Stephen Avery and his nephew, Brendan Dassey. So if you haven't watched that, both men were sentenced to life in prison in 2007 for Teresa's 2005 murder. And so this is a series that I've been working my way through. I don't actually get a lot of TV time. Most of the time when the TV's on, we're watching Bluey because I have little kids. At your house too, yeah. Bluey's a staple over here. Bluey is one of my favorites, but it's no making a murderer. So I only get a few episodes in here and there if I stay up really late. But I have been working my way through that one. Have you seen it, LaDonna? Oh, I have. I've seen both seasons twice. <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah, I am have been really interested in this case. And interestingly enough, in season two, Stephen Avery's post-conviction attorney, Kathleen Zellner, she's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, she just methodically investigated Teresa Halbach's murder. And her investigation pointed to a very shocking suspect, Brendan Dassey's brother, Bobby Dassey. Wow. Yeah, she came to this conclusion in part because of, get this, Bobby's alleged interest in violent pornography. Yeah, that makes him look suspicious for sure. Oh, yeah, it does. In fact, according to Zellner, there is evidence that proves that Bobby Dassey downloaded and accessed thousands and thousands of images for things such as 11-year-old sex, rotten girl, gun to head, torture, bondage, and pedophilia. That sounds awfully familiar. Like, that sounds like all the other fetishers. It does. You and I have talked several times about the link between violent pornography and pedophilia, and here's yet another instance where we've got someone who is interested in both things, which is pretty frightening. The stuff that Bobby Dassey was downloading, it was pretty awful. There were images that were both real and simulated that depicted decapitation, dismemberment, and otherwise images of murdered women. I mean, he was clearly, clearly into looking at some of the most graphic and horrific details of a woman's death. Do we know, since you've gotten further into this series and research than I have, do we know if he was looking at those before Teresa Hallback was murdered or after or all of the above? All of the above. And we will touch on that a little bit, I think, through our discussion, but definitely all of the above. That is super and, creepy. And not only was he looking at it, according to Zellner, Bobby Dassey was compulsively searching out these photos for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours at a time online. He was clearly obsessed. He had a full-time job as a death fetisher. He did. And Zellner, which I think she's kind of a hero. I mean, she's a fantastic attorney, but I almost want to think that we should call her like a death fetish champion, you know, because I believe she's really against this stuff too. She was quoted as saying that she believes that there's a link between those who are into grotesque porn, like death fetish porn, and murder. Oh, for sure. I'd say there's more than a link. Yeah, and it gets even creepier, Alicia. Zellner is also quoted as saying, many of the images that were found on Bobby Dassey's computer, they bore a striking semblance to Teresa Halbach, 
and to the nature of the crime that was committed against her. I just think that's frightening. It is because you see with a lot of these death fetish predators, they are either using photos of women that they know or they're, you know, obsessed with a woman. And so they are looking for death fetish pornography that looks like somebody they know, or they're posting pictures of people they know and turning them into death fetish pornography. So that's really, really eerie that his family, at least, is connected to this murder, perhaps even himself, and that he's wanting death fetish pornography with women in it that look like Teresa. I also want to point out, without diving too much into Teresa Hallbach's murder, because we could do an entire season on that. I mean, there's a lot to say. But Teresa Hallbach was known to the Avery family. And, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that Bobby Dassey had seen her before. So I think there was very much a certain look he was going for. And we see that with the death fetish community all the time. But he already knew her. And so it just kind of smacked to me kind of the things that we had seen, like with the um, cannibal cop, like kicking out people that you know. I kind of feel like Bobby Dassey was doing that. It's so scary. And it's also scary just how much, like the quantity, the copious amounts of torture porn that they were able to find on Bobby's computer and how all of the people in these pornographies, videos, images were all young women. And some of the searches that occurred right before Teresa Hallbach arrived at the Dassey compound. So you can see timestamps where this was all going on at the same time. And Bobby Dassey had told the police that he was home alone and sleeping. But the truth is that he was awake and searching for some of the most graphic and violent types of pornography imaginable. So he lied even about what he was doing. There's proof of that on his computer. And it's scary to me to think that his uncle, Stephen Avery, and... His brother, Brendan Dassey, were convicted of this murder because there's some reasonable doubt that Bobby Dassey could have been involved. I mean, he lied. He had these kind of searches on his computer. I think Kathleen Zellner's on the right track. I think so, too. And he probably didn't know that anyone would ever go through his computer and see those timestamps or see that there were dozens of searches for child porn and teen porn. And it's just these searches and this content that he had really paint a very clear picture of somebody who is obsessed with the murder and harming and torture of young women. It's terrifying to me. But you know, as it always seems to do in the world of violent death fetish porn, it gets much, much worse. So when I'm researching for this episode, Alicia, I found a website called foulplay.site. And I learned from that website that Bobby Dassey participated in a very disturbing MSN conversation on February 27th, 2006 at around 10.30 p.m. So according to this website, Bobby was trolling online for this girl, right? He'd been Mm -hmm. trolling. And when the girl did not respond to him quickly enough, he began to cruelly berate her. He just became very ugly. And according to the documentation that they provide on the website, Bobby began ramping up his creep factor, so to speak, and told the girl, we're going to play a game and we're going to play it by my rules. Why don't you meet me at a warehouse and I'll be that guy on Saw, you know, from the movie. 
Oh, so he wants to meet her in a warehouse and torture her? Exactly. And this girl, as you can imagine, she was frightened, so she left the conversation. She was like, yeah, I'm getting out of here. And later, according to the sources on that website, Bobby went on to tell other girls that he is like, quote unquote, a bat and that he enjoys staying up late. He's also quoted as saying, I roam the streets at night. What is he doing up at night that late? Trying to torture women in warehouses, maybe? Yeah, it's frightening. And the scary thing is, is that they're in Manitowoc County. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. His family owns a salvage yard out there. There weren't really any streets for him to troll. So I'm wondering where he was going. I mean, it just brings a lot of questions to my mind about what Bobby Dassey has been up to and where he's been up to it. (laughs) Yeah, when you watch that Netflix series, you can see their property really well. And it's kind of remote. Like, I don't think anyone would hear you scream if you were out there with somebody at nighttime. Yeah, I don't think so. Not at all. There's more. That same website, foulplay.site, goes on to describe in detail what Kathleen Zellner's expert on child porn and sexual homicide had to say. I think you're going to be really interested in this, Alicia. Her expert says, and I quote, When you are obsessed with images depicting torture and sexual violence, it is only a matter of time before your mind will manifest a justification for killing, allowing you to gradually move from a fantasy life to a reality of stalking, assault, rape, torture, murder, and mutilation. Oh, absolutely. I fully agree with that statement, and I'm glad that it's an expert on sexual homicide that had that to say, because I take great pride in studying even just like internal dialogue and how our minds work, like for personal reasons. I enjoy reading about that. And I absolutely think that we're constantly trying to normalize things to achieve our goals, whatever they are inside of our minds. And so I know if you are thinking about something all the time, your mind is going to have those like voices of reasoning trying to get you closer and closer to whatever it is you're spending all your time thinking about. And for most of us, that's something as small as, you know, treating ourselves to a nice meal out or buying something we've been saving for. But when you're thinking about stalking, assaulting, raping, torturing for hours and hours a day, of course, you're going to have a little voice in your head that's trying to find a justification for doing those things. Yeah, it's disturbing. I did want to mention to you that I did reach out to Kathleen Zellner and her team, and I asked her to please connect us with her expert that would be someone that we would love to have on the podcast but maybe even work with as we you know continue this effort to fight death fetish so I'll let you know and I'll let the listeners know uh, when we hear back from Kathleen I'm really hopeful and excited because she'll be a great ally for us yeah I'm really excited to talk to either of them if they have some time for us thank you for doing that yeah So Bobby Dassey's online searches, I think we can all agree, were pretty gruesome. And in May of 2005, authorities were able to determine that he was also visiting a site called Rotten.com. That just sounds gross to me. Yeah, Rotten.com 
reminds me a little bit of one that we've spoken of before called Documenting Reality. And the reason why it reminds me of that is that they're both like shock sites that show just disgusting images. And so I kind of relate it to Documenting Reality. But Rotten.com was active between the years of 1996 all the way through 2012. And it had pictures just of violent acts There were autopsy photos, depictions of perverse sexual acts, too. So just some really gross stuff. Ew. Yeah. You hear about these and you're like, who? Well, who would even want to go look at this? And sometimes people are interested just in seeing the darker points of life. Like we had spoken recently with Bridget at the Probably Canceled podcast, and she had shared as a teenager, she was just trying to teach herself more about life and death and and did go to some of those websites. So I'm curious if this was one that she may have seen in that time period of her life. We'll have to ask her about that. I hadn't heard of Rotten.com prior to this episode, so I think that's interesting. But I also think it's a little creepy that he was accessing that kind of crap and then a woman turns up missing and murdered who had been on his property. I mean, that's not a coincidence. I mean, it doesn't feel like one to me. No, he was definitely into some creepy stuff. And it's just very telling what people do when they're alone. So he's looking at this Rotten.com website, which, by the way, was registered to a man named Thomas E. Dell. And he was a former software engineer at Apple and Netscape. And he was in these sites going by the alias Soylent. You're saying that, and I'm thinking again, here we have someone who's an engineer for Apple and Netscape, who's clearly into death fetish. Sometimes it just astounds me that there are so many people in high-profile situations that are into this garbage. Yeah, it's super gross that he had a pretty low profile in person, which just seemed like a normal guy, but he's running Rotten.com, which, by the way, was getting about 200,000 visitors a day around 2001. And that creeps me out, too, just that there are that many people every day looking for pictures of autopsy photos, dead girls, necrophilia, just disgusting. But the front page of the website had this crudely drawn image of a skeleton, and it had some words over top of it that said, when hell is full, the dead will walk the earth. Huh, that's kind of strange. Yeah, and the website also boasted that it was the soft white underbelly of the net, eviscerated for all to see. Rotten.com collects images and information from many sources to present the viewer with a truly unpleasant experience. And the site had some categories, like a variety of them. This is sounding like a bona fide death fetish forum to me. So it's got categories like maggoted, run for your life, dismemberment, worms man, hooker in the morgue, meat grinder, and big cadaver. So I'm sure you can just imagine what's in those categories of photos and videos. It's just, it makes my stomach turn. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's super gross. And I just go back to who's looking at these and what are they doing with them? And before I knew about death fetish, I, I 
just would have been like, why do people want to look at these things just to get grossed out? But now that I know about death fetish, I'm convinced that a large portion of these 200,000 visitors a day were there for sexual reasons. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I just, I'm glad that site's gone. I'm sure maybe it's risen its ugly head somewhere else in a different form or under a different name. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I would expect that Thomas Dell hasn't just stopped his interest in death fetish. Do we know if he's gone on to do other things or is that sort of like a question mark? That is a question mark. And he's definitely going on my little list of people that I want to hunt down. And I want to see what he's doing because it's not common for someone to just give up these kind of interests. They usually make a new website. Uh Oh, Thomas E. Dell, you're on Alicia Lockhart's radar. Better watch out. Well, I want to say that as we prepared for this episode, I decided I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into some research about the connection between violent pornography and murder. As you know, I've written two books. One of the books was with you, and you know, both books kind of touch on that very topic. And one of the sources that I've used to find information is an organization that's called fightthenewdrug.com. And for listeners that aren't familiar with that organization, Fight the New Drug, or FTND, it's a non-religious and non-legislative nonprofit that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects. And they use only like scientific facts and personal accounts. So it's pretty solid. And I really rely on that website because they have some really great information. I discovered that they had shared some information about research that was done in 2016. And in 2016, a team of leading researchers from across the United States compiled everything they could find on violent pornography and its impact on real crime. And it's so important because the researchers concluded this, Alicia, and I quote, There is little doubt that on the average, individuals who consume pornography more frequently are more likely to hold attitudes that are conducive and favorable to sexual aggression and engage in actual acts of sexual aggression. Okay, so Fight the New Drug goes on to describe in detail after that how porn can actually change what a person thinks and does. And when they're talking about porn, they're talking about just like mainstream porn, okay? And I think that's why this is pretty critical for our listeners to understand. Because they're saying even mainstream porn changes how you think. That's pretty telling. It's very telling. And when you insert then death fetish pornography into this, you know, I start to become scared. (laughs) This agency, Fight the New Drug, explains that experts have told them that the impact of violent pornography on their brain is something like this. They describe how our brains have what scientists call like mirror neurons. And mm-hmm. these, these brain cells that fire, they don't only fire when we do things ourselves, but also when we watch other people do things. Okay. So when a person is looking at porn, he or she naturally starts to respond to the emotions of the actors that they're watching and what they're doing on the screen. So as the consumer becomes aroused, his or her brain gets to work, basically wiring together those feelings of arousal to what is seen happening on the screen. 
it's like they're almost having that experience for themselves. So if a person feels aroused watching a woman being tortured and murdered, that individual's brain learns to associate that kind of violence with sexual arousal. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I do feel like the more we engage in any sort of behavior, whether it's doing it ourselves or watching it, we're reinforcing that. So that's really important research to learn that watching a video of a woman being tortured and raped and killed is just strengthening that link in their brains. It's scary. It's very scary. And again, I want the listeners to understand that Fight the New Drug, I mean, they're basically a neutral organization, okay? It's not legislation. It's not, you know, religious-based. They're just going for the facts about regular pornography. And so I'm scared. I mean, this scares me because it really kind of hits home just how dangerous that actually makes violent pornography in this world. It's pretty scary. It's scary, scary stuff. Yeah, there's a real connection between violent porn and murder. And according to the Hill Link Minority Report of the Presidential Commission on Obscenity and Pornography, there have actually been 18 separate studies that have given this sort of evidence that have shown that soft core porn, so we're not talking death fetish porn, BDSM porn or anything violent, but just softcore porn, just a video of two people, two consenting adults, is able to desensitize all viewers. And that even that can lead to extremely violent behavior because of that desensifying people. So if soft porn can lead to violent behavior. What do you think that means for death fetish pornography? I think it means that we're absolutely justified in saying that this is dangerous and we have to stop it. I'm not worried about tackling the mainstream porn industry. I'm worried about putting a stop to this genre of porn that we know, we've seen, we've talked about in episode after episode of this stuff leading to real murder. And I think armed with this evidence that we've just shared, I mean, that makes our job here even more important. Death fetish pornography is dangerous and it's going to lead to violence and it can lead to murder. And we see all the time that it does. Yeah. I'm on my soapbox, aren't I? I am. I know I am. I'm sorry. No, I think it's a point that we have to continue to drive home in all sorts of ways. And every week we're here sharing more information with everybody about what we're finding, what we're learning, and the links that are there. And we're just here to boost that message so that people can understand this is a cause that is worth getting behind because it can save people's lives to get rid of these forums and this type of pornography. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm disturbed because when I think about these statistics that we've shared in context to the violent death porn that was found on Bobby Dassey's computer, I have to take pause. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. I don't think it's a coincidence that a woman was kidnapped, tortured, raped, and murdered from a property where at least one person was accessing violent death fetish pornography on a regular basis. That's not a coincidence. 
I don't think so either. And I really do hope that this angle continues to be explored because it seems that Bobby Dassey had some part. I think I saw somewhere that he had given some evidence and testimony. And so that, you know, he's just trying to cover his own tracks and make sure somebody else is in jail so that he doesn't get looked at seriously. And it seems like he needs to be looked at. I agree with that. I feel that based on everything I've read and I've seen and, you know, court documents that had some of this evidence about what Bobby Dassey was into, had that been introduced the way it should have been into that trial, I think it would have impeached his testimony. He couldn't have been believed. I mean, basically, point number one is the fact that he said he was sleeping when Halbach arrived before she got there and when she arrived, we know that's a lie based on his internet search. And they did a process of elimination because other people lived in that home and Mm -hmm. they were able to conclude that it was Bobby Dassey that accessed that crap on the computer that day. I think it's going to be interesting to watch the Avery Dassey case unfold as Zellner and her defense team continues to investigate Bobby Dassey's online habits and how that could have been connected to the violent murder of Teresa Halbach. I am cheering for Zellner. I mean, she's uncovered a bombshell here, you know, not only in the Avery and Dassey convictions for Halbach's murder, but possibly in the death fetish community as a whole. I mean, she's got a powerhouse team behind her and experts that are echoing some of the same sentiments that we've shared all along. Death fetish pornography is dangerous. Right. And I'm so glad she's sharing this information about Bobby Dassey because he's out and he's free right now. And we know that he likes this kind of pornography, which could make him a potentially dangerous member of the community to be around other women. And people should know that he's into those sort of things. I had a crazy thought. I wonder if he's in any of these forums that we're working undercover in. It makes me wonder. Could be, yeah. We need to look out for anybody looking for rotten girls online because it could be Bobby Dassey. That's just disgusting. So let's definitely keep an eye out for him, and you know, keep our eyes on this case too as the information unfolds, and as we keep looking into all of these death fetish pornography communities, websites, producers. We'll keep Bobby Dassey in our mind, and we will definitely update all of you anytime we hear any updates regarding him or finding him in the forums, but we'll be looking for him. We're coming for you, Bobby Dassey. I guess that's a good place for us to land today. So until next time, thank you so much to all of our listeners our growing listener base. We're really excited this week to announce that we had reached a huge milestone of 10,000 plays on our podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in every Monday and supporting us in all the ways that you have been. We're excited to have everybody here with us. I love that we hit 10,000 plays. I mean, it's just, it's exciting to me that people are getting behind this and they're learning about the dangers of death fetish. And that we're remembering the victims. There's just so much about that that I just, my heart sings because I want to make a difference. And I think this podcast is a good way to do it. And 
I'm excited that word is spreading about our efforts to build this army because I just think that's going to help us continue expose and eventually eradicate death fetish. And I hope that today, after people have listened to this episode, that maybe they would want to dive in and learn a little bit more about Teresa Halbach's murder and maybe do some research about Bobby Dassey, that connection to death fetish pornography. And maybe get behind the efforts to find the truth and support Kathleen Zellner and her team. Yeah, I think that is a good thing to mention for people because we didn't really go super into detail into her case. Her case is one of the more complex cases that I have researched. There's so many angles to consider. And it's just crazy how many people were on that property the day that she went missing. There's a lot to that case. And if people dig in, I think that they'll be pretty shocked. I don't want to give my opinion necessarily one way or another on what I think in terms of what happened with all the details in that case and what Netflix docuseries actually exposes. But I do want to say that I think that we got to take a closer look at Bobby Dassey and that that's a very, very important. And I think it's going to lead somewhere. So I'm definitely going to have my eyes peeled. As we're heading out today, I just want to remind everyone that we've been so thankful for all of the shares and the signing of petitions that's been going on over at our website at deepdarksecretspodcast.com. If you haven't, please take a look at our website and go sign the petition about obscenity laws. If you are willing and able, you can sign up for our Patreon or on Anchor as a you know monthly subscription. We're just very thankful for the support we've received and may receive in the future. And we just want everyone to know that your support makes a huge difference to us and it allows us to continue working really hard to take a stand against the death fetish community and to try to keep women safe in the future. Yeah, it's really important. And I also want to remind our listeners that we release new episodes every Monday. So keep tuning in. There's important information that we're going to continue to share. And until then, remember, keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.